So we're gathered here today to be shaped by the story. As we go through the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the story, the big story of God's work in history, and, and we're going to be talking about how that affects our lives and, and shapes our life. I'm going to share a little bit today from my own story. Um, just bear with me. I'm not trying to be narcissistic. I, I just hope that is an example of how we can see how our own lives map into Scripture, how we can see how God moves in, in our lives. My story begins in terms of my calling with... Uh, Myself in grade 12, I kind of had a similar uh, elementary school experience of what Cole was speaking about, where I was kind of teased for having ginger hair, being a nerd, and all of those things. So I, I kind of had a rough first eight grades. I got into grade nine, I got a little bit worse. And then grade 10, things started kind of changing. And by the time I got to grade 12, somehow, me and my friends somehow had supplanted the hockey players and, and become kind of like somewhat popular, which was kind of a shock to me. But something I took really seriously and felt, you know, finally it's kind of like the geek wins kind of thing. I, I, I was kind of trying to protect that. And with that came a lot of things um, about my own, own self-identity, uh, kind of getting in with people, starting to uh, act in ways that are not the same as I used to be. Um, I was, grew up in the church. My parents got saved when I was three. And so I had been a part of the youth group, and I still went to youth group. But I was one of those guys that maybe in the, the week, I didn't have the same um, thing going on as I did on the Sunday. And I remember getting a friend's call and saying, hey, why don't you come to this uh, revival crusade that's happening at the church? And I didn't know about this. We were like, uh, maybe. Me and my friend, I was with my friend, and he's like, well, let's go, because there's girls there. And I was like, okay. Um, and I remember sitting in the back, and, and I remember songs being sung and changing the words and being kind of silly, right? Um, part of this came from my own experience. Uh, I, had a, I had a really good relationship still with people in the church, but I, there was a sense there where some of my friends, some people in my family, I felt had uh, been judged and kind of, you know, kind of ostracized a bit. And so my own heart had been hardening a little bit to uh, the church. And I remember the crusade clearly, because I was in the back, kind of not paying that much attention, listening. Um, and at, at the end, there was a call. And this was all the different youth groups of Sarnia all together in one room. And the call was basically, hey, if you have something to share, maybe you have something on your heart, you want to come up and just speak a word about what's on your heart with God and everything. And I don't know why or how. I know it had to be the Spirit. I was in the back, and I rose, and I was the first one down the aisle. I came all the way up, came up to the microphone, and looked at everyone, and I said, I'm sorry for hating you. And the place kind of went silent, like, whoa, because oh, people there were friends and knew me. And then I started weeping, and I kind of repented of my bitterness to the church and, and not loving the church. It wasn't perfect, but I wasn't perfect. And I remember the, that moment really clearly, because it was, it was a moment where people started coming around me, and they, and they, they hugged me, and they, they was crying. And, and other people were also sharing their stories. And, and it was amazing what came out of that event, because uh, out of this retreat, there was all, a number of different uh, people who decided, we're going to meet weekly from all different denominations, and we're going to pray and worship together, just as students, self-organized. And out of that group of people, looking back, about six of us are now pastors, it was a move of God in the city. And, and I look back very clearly because I remember getting a call to be a pastor. 
It wasn't what I expected. I did well at school. Uh, maths and sciences, especially in computers. And I remember uh, a person who I really respected, a teacher, because um, I had done well and I'd like, come second in the computer programming contest in Ontario and things like that. And I remember saying to my, my teacher, I'm going to go to Bible college. And he looked me straight in the eyes and he said, you are throwing your life away. And I searched my heart and I knew that God was saying, you must go. And so I got the call. I got called to be a pastor. And I followed that and went to Bible college. Sometimes that original call is very interesting. It's exciting. It's also somewhat vague. <laughs> Be pastor. Like, I don't... And I want to go to the, the call of Abraham, the call of Abram at this time, and just kind of look at what was happening in his life when he got his call. This is chapter 12 of Genesis. And the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whomever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What a beautiful call. Still somewhat vague. He doesn't even know why, where he's going. I was like, get up, leave everything. Leave your dad, your mom, your brothers and sisters, your family, your goods, the, the place you have in, in, a, in a civilized city. And go to where I show you. Very open-ended. And so Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. He was 75 years old. And Abram traveled. They set out to the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And he traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. The call isn't easy. It's a bit vague. It's also asking a lot right off the bat to give up some of the dreams and some of the comforts that he has. Sometimes it's not quite clear what's going to happen. It can be very difficult. And each of us, I want to point out our call. There's lots of different theologies of call. Some of us might not have a, like a specific call to ministry, kind of like Jeremiah. But every single one of us who decides to follow Jesus has been called. We're called to follow Jesus, to walk in his footprints, to allow him to change and transform our lives. We're also called into baptism, to follow into the waters and, and to have the symbol of going down into the waters, show us the death to our sins, and then be risen alive again with Christ. And we're also called to share Jesus with the Great Commission, we're called to use our own individual gifts that we're given as part of the body, to be one with the body and to use them. You know what? It's really exciting when the call first comes. We're on fire. The Lord is our heart's desire. There's so much to which we aspire. And then out of nowhere, things get dire. 
if Abraham had a call, he also has a fall, or at least a stall. The first thing that happens is a famine hits the land that he has been called to. It's a sign of what will come again. He has this famine strike, and, and so all of a sudden he has to gather everything up, this land that he felt like he was going to be at home in, and go all the way to Egypt. And when he gets to Egypt, lo and behold, the powerful king of Egypt, the pharaoh, decides that his wife is pretty, pretty. And he takes her into his harem. If that's not enough of complicating the call, then all of a sudden, he has a family dispute with Lot when he finally gets back to Canaan. And an argument breaks out between his herders and Lot's herders, and his nephew and him are kind of at odds. And so finally, Abraham just says to Lot, take what you want, and I'll take what's left over. And then, after having this gigantic family spat... It, it comes to find out that an army comes down and conquers Sodom and takes away his nephew Lot and all of his stuff and starts traveling. And Abraham doesn't know what to do and he decides he's going to gather his men. And we don't really hear much about this, but did you know that Abraham was a warrior? We always think about King David the warrior. Abraham sends this little army out, finally attacks from behind and gets Lot back and brings him back home. Talk about complicating the call. I thought the nations were going to bless him and love him, and yet they're capturing his family. and Things have got a little bit rough. This is the reality of the call. It often is followed by a fall. For Abraham, it was famine, trouble with Lot, wars, doubt, worry. In my life, it came in my first year of Bible college. We had just finished a night, kind of like the coffee house on Friday, which was awesome, by the way. And I had just freestyled for the first time ever on stage, and we were all excited, and we were trying to get new students recruited to the school, and we decided to go for Subway. I remember we're, this is in downtown London, and we're going through an alley, and we started hearing some, some weird screams. So we come out of the alley, we're on the main strip in London, right at Dundas and Richmond, uh, but from here to like the far car there, the parking lot away, we're hearing these screams and we look and there's three guys jumping one guy. I don't want to go into details too much. I witnessed a murder. And probably didn't realize quite how much that would shape my heart. I ended up having to go to two different trials. The second one after I'd already tried to forget it for a few years. And it was a difficult thing. And there was a couple other of us from Bible college, and we were the only ones who weren't drunk because it was St. Patrick's Day. And so I can always remember kind of going through this and trying to, to deal with this, and I probably didn't deal with it uh, very clearly. And so then I went to the University of Cambridge. That was another kind of complication in my call. I'd be called to be a pastor, but I really did well academically. And I saw like, some of the, the great Bible scholars went to the University of Cambridge. It was a good school. It would be a great opportunity. So I decided to go there as well, do my master's. And it was, it was a great time. But I was spending some of that time trying to escape the memory of what happened and uh, getting into some partying. And, and one of the biggest problems being in Cambridge was that I had gone from a, a Bible-believing, conservative college to a pretty theologically liberal place. I kind of facing some of those questions, people asking, like, 
don't even believe in the divinity of Christ and try to work through all of that, some of the complications that came my way. What is the complication in your call? What is the thing that's hit you and kind of caused maybe you to stall from that original fire of the call? Has you had any things come in the way? Make it more complicated. Less clear. It might be something like really negative, the guy I just spoke about. Or you know what? It could just be an alternative hobby or something. Your vocation is covered by your avocation. You kind of get distracted into some other things, and you kind of forget all the years passed by of that call. For Abram, the biggest complication that he had was in his heart, and it was that he lacked an heir. And that hurt. And after this, in chapter 15, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. That beautiful call. God shows back up and is like, I am your shield, I'm protecting you, I'm your reward. Abram's heart is complicated right now. It's hard to, to receive a blessing so beautiful when his mind is just kind of caught up in the things that he doesn't have. He is disappointed with God. And so he says so. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. You just feel the weight of those words. You can feel the doubt of the call. The bewilderment, the wonderment. What is happening? He comes with a word of encouragement, a shield and reward, but it's hard for Abraham to acknowledge. He just wants one thing. I've only asked for one thing, God. A son. Otherwise, all my success will go to someone who's not my flesh and blood. And then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. So shall be your offspring. Do you notice what happens here? God actually expands the call. It's getting a little more clear. This is kind of this vague blessing to nations. Now it's getting more clear. You're going you're gonna to be blessing through a son. And it'll be your own child. And then the great statement of faith. Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. By faith alone, he trusts the word of God. Not by 
the circumcision, not by all the other obediences, by his faith in what God just promised him. And he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. Now remember, Abraham's quite old by our standards. He's getting close to the sanitarian place. A lot of people say they're about double our age, so we'll say he's like 40 or 50 at this point. He's been promised the son. In the midst of the complication, God gives vindication. And Abraham responds by believing God's indication. He's able to trust again in his vocation. And it's not just an heir, it's the land. It's both and. What's interesting in this to me is just, if you think about how many times God's kind of spoke to you about what he's getting at, and we don't quite get it, right? You know, kind of his plan, but we realize, we say, okay, God wants us to go here, and we look at the map, we don't quite understand, so God wants, I'm here, God wants me here. How about I just, like, connect the dots for him? You ever done that? I'll figure the steps out in between for you. Thank you very much. Abraham knew that God had called him to be the father of a great nation. He now knows that he is going to have a son. Sarah can't have any kids. She comes to him with a plan. Her idea, how about you take my servant? That will be our child we'll raise as ours. This is a very common legal practice. Abraham thinks to himself, here it is. And so Abram has a child through Hagar 11 years after entering the land of Canaan. We see this in chapter 16. If you read, it's, it's a further complication. This called couple, Abram and Sarai, try to accomplish God's gracious promise through their own strength. They trust in Hagar, and it leads to anger. She despises Sari. Sari kicks her out of the house while she's pregnant, into the desert. It's only God who reconciles and makes sure that Ishmael gets to come back and be born. Do you ever do things in your own strength? Do you ever try to hurry God up with your own bright ideas? I've got to know a bunch of you already and and quite an accomplished bunch, a very gifted bunch. It's pretty tempting, isn't it? Just finish God's work for him. I'm capable. This episode kind of reminds me of uh, a couple things in my life, uh, including... My desire, much like Abram had, I, I, I just desired a, a, a wife. I just wanted a spouse. A woman I could love and be loved by. And so those are the type of things in our lives that's very easy to take into our own hands, isn't it? I remember coming back to Toronto, and I started my PhD, and uh, I found myself in what turned out to be a bad relationship. Yes, we met in church. No, it wasn't a good thing. 
became kind of toxic. And, and so I finally realized, I was praying with God, I just started, I just went to free church, I was freedomized at the time, and, and I just realized, okay, God, I'm getting my life back on track. And so I broke up with that relationship. And then you know what I did? Because I'm super spiritual and I can do all things through my own power that strengthens me. I said to myself, I'm not going to date a girl for a whole year. And then I'll get myself ready for my wife. And then a couple weeks later, I go to a membership series. Ta-da! <laughs> my radiant Megan beaming, and I'm like... And the Lord is basically saying to me, I never told you you couldn't date anyone for a year. You just made that up for yourself to feel spiritual. And it made me realize I'm trying to do things on my own strength instead of waiting for the Lord to provide. And provide he did. It's part of our lives sometimes we, we have this part where we, we need to learn, wait on God's timing. So the complications in our, in our walk and our calling as we're trying to figure out what it is, as we go from the vagueness and we're walking through life, it's not always something that is negative, by the way. It can also be something that's very good and it might be necessary as part of our lives. For my own self, I think, again, um, I, I look at what happened with Abraham in my own life and I can kind of see some correspondence. Like, Abraham was never chastised for going with Ishmael. He never, he never curses Ishmael. In fact, he actually gives a blessing to Ishmael. What he says, basically, is Ishmael is blessed. He's your child. He's part of the nations. But that's not the son of the promise. There's a difference. Sometimes it's not that it's bad. It's just not the promise. And in my own life, I remember getting the call to go back to Heritage to become a professor. We moved to Kitchener, and it was an awesome part of my life. And you know, I had to admit, like, part of me was already kind of slowly let the cloud on, on the whole pastor thing was kind of not quite clear to me anymore, kind of come, come vague. It was a great thing, and it's a great thing even to this day to be able to, to teach new young pastors. But my call was to be a pastor. And I remember that very clearly. I was putting the pastor on hold, I was basically on snooze. For Abraham, he too was a dude on snooze. He was going on cruise control. He had his son. He was excited. But then God brought him back to the call, to the covenant. He went from call to fall, to stall, to being reinstalled. In chapter 17, we see that the call becomes even clearer. When Abram was 99 years old, like Wayne Gretzky Golden, right? The Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And then I will make my covenant between me and you and you will greatly increase your Numbers. Abraham, Abraham fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you fruitful. 
I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants and you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. I will be their God. Look how powerful the call comes. And, the, and, and this call in this new manifestation comes with some new things. I love the newness of it. First of all, God uses a new name. I am El Shaddai. The Almighty. So God's giving himself a new name for them to call him by. And then he gives Abraham a new name. You get a new name. You are now going to be a father of many nations. And this call to the everlasting covenant and a new land. And it's not just that. His wife, Sari, who's been this whole time just longing for the ability to give Abraham an heir and, and, and probably long ago started to give it up also gets the blessing. And God also said to Abraham, as for Sari, your wife, you will no longer call her Sari. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and she will surely give you a son. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down and he laughed. And he said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? It's been a long time since Abraham first got the call. It's been 25 years. And slowly but surely, God is helping clarify the call, helping it narrow in. And here it is. Sarah will give you the son of the promise. That call I gave you 25 years ago is going to be fulfilled through Sarah. And I love how this Abraham laughs. Later on we see Sarah laughs. It says God laughs. Isaac's born, his name means he laughs. It's a lot of laughter. Have you ever laughed at God? You ever laughed at him at his blessings? Like, yeah, all right, God. Who do you think you are? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever laughed at God because of what he ends up doing in your life that you couldn't believe? You're like, of course, yes. That's hilarious, God. You, joke's on me. Enter the pastorship for me. I'm at... Heritage, teaching, I'm finishing my PhD. My wife's working three jobs to put me through school. And I'm forgotten in many ways the call. We're working in a church, we're leading a small group, loving, living as a Christian, and then I get the call, literally, like a phone call. Why don't you come back to Toronto? Why don't you come be a pastor? You can be the associate pastor. Senior stepping down. David's moving up. We're asking you to come. At the call. 
And I'll kind of all that, all, all of my beginning life of the 17 years and that, that call that I had when I was still in high school in grade 12 kind of comes flashing. I'm like, the call. I talked to my wife and we both sensed, you know, this is, yeah, let's, let's do it. Amazing answer. To the problem. And I laugh, like, of course. Like, I get the call and I, it goes through the most circuitous route and now here I am, right where God was preparing me 13 years earlier. It was a long haul, but God reaffirmed the call. In the most unexpected of ways, God displays what he was up to all of those days. And then Isaac is born. And there's no more scorn. Abram holds in his hands his son, the key to the calling. Of course, the, the story doesn't end there. Complications continue. He tries to save Sodom and Gomorrah from themselves. Another king thinks that his wife is pretty, pretty. His wife sends Ishmael far away when Isaac is born. He loses contact with his son. And then at some point years later, comes the testing. God calls Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, the son of the promise. This is at a time, by the way, when human sacrifice is a common thing. So there's some teeth to this request. I just want to read the text because I find it really powerful as a father just to read through this if I was walking up the mountain here. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Hey, why don't you carry your own death? And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went up on together, Isaac spoke up to his father and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Perceptive kid. Perhaps a little bit of understanding of what happens in these neighborhoods sometimes. Notice Abraham. He is full of faith. I love this answer. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. You see the faith Abraham has now? He's been going through the calls and the complications, the falls, the stalls. He's been walking with God, and now he's starting to get a sense. It says in Hebrews, it's very interesting, it says that Abraham knew that God could resurrect Isaac from the dead. So he trusted. Here we have Abraham facing the death of his own son, and now he just recognized God will provide. And it becomes this important word. In fact, God provides a ram in the thicket. Every calling comes with a testing. And it might not seem like the best thing, but in testing there can come blessing. 
for myself. Most recently, a testing came when I knew that I was supposed to step down from free church. Probably the hardest decision I've had to make. Amazing friends. Formation of my own leadership skills and my own Christian walk. And I was really blessed. I had really good mentors. I had amazing, some of them here, elders, who just helped me with that journey because it was a confusing time. I can't pretend. I was just like, oh, I, it's, it was, God, was this, is this really it? Am I just talking to myself? It was, it was difficult. I didn't know where God was going to take me. That was the hardest part. I didn't know exactly for sure where I was going to end up. But I knew I had to be faithful. And those months were hard, and there was pain, and there was questioning. Right? I feel the call to put my feet onto the water, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And I think through that time of difficulty, and I look at the time of testing, and now look at here I stand. And I feel God's call, and, I, and I'm excited to, to work with you as you discover your call. And I know that now my call is here to be in your midst, to call you to your calling as a lead pastor and as with the entire leadership team. Our job is to, to help you realize your gifts, to help mobilize you, to help us together as a body live out the call of God together in our lives. And so I'm not sure where you are at in the call cycle today. Perhaps you're feeling compelled right now. It's the invocation, the call. Perhaps it's complicated. You're in like prevarication. You're in the fall or the stall. Perhaps to you, you're, you're, near, you're nearing the end of your call. Kind of like Abraham, just waiting for his son to get married. You feel God's presence evocation of his spirit, and you're realizing that you're reinstalled, and now you're there to help others in their calling. Wherever you are, God is still calling. He's calling you to himself. And you know what? He's calling us all together. There is a collective call. If you think about this, in the New Testament, we are called the people of God. We are the new Israel. And we're called for a purpose. We are called the people of God for a purpose. And this is a, a collective calling together. Abraham was told that he was going to bless many nations. And the way that was fulfilled was through Isaac and through many generations and the birth of Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now all nations are blessed through Abraham. But guess what? It continues because we, as we claim Jesus Christ, are now the people of God and we're still called to be the blessing that Abraham was told he was going to be. The people of God are continuing to bless all the nations. And that means you, with your gifts, in your local setting and beyond, are called to be the people of God and to be a blessing to the world as the body of Christ. So together, we are called, I'd say first and foremost, to, to be the people of God together and to serve and to show the blessings of God to Halton, we have a lot of people I know from Burlington and Oakville and Milton. We got like Waterdown and a bunch from Hamilton. 
I don't want to name them all because I know I'll miss some of you guys. But this region, you think of it, it's like 600,000 people, like over a million if, when you include Hamilton. We are called to serve and to bless, to continue this promise. And that means doing the mission of the church together. For example, uh, next week we have uh, Imagine Next Door. This idea of looking at what's happening at Next Door down in Aldershot, how we reach into that community and build relationships. And now things are starting to bubble up there. We're going to have a kind of an information slash brainstorming session. What, can, what does God want us to keep? What is he calling us to keep doing? I know Paul's really excited. We're all really excited on the leadership team. That's part of the call. And not only do we have this collective call, we have a personal call. And I've shared a lot from my own story today. Again, not because I'm like, I am like Abraham. More because we all can recognize the ways in which we are shaped by this story that we all have a personal calling, much like Abraham. We've all gone through these calls and the falls and the reinstallments. It's your story to be shaped by. First, you're called to God, every single person. And if you haven't decided to walk in the path of God, I just want to invite you today, just come speak to myself or any other leadership. There is a call that every human has from God to look to Jesus Christ, to receive him, and to begin to walk in his path, to be reformed by his spirit, to be born again, and to walk into their new life. And I know the call we've heard is a bit tough, but it is a beautiful thing, and I wouldn't set, like, have any other way. I know so many here are sitting and saying the same thing. So you are called to Christ, and then you're called into baptism to follow him as a believer. If that's interesting to you, if you want to take that next step, if you personally haven't stepped into the waters of baptism, if your own decision, come speak to us. We're going to have a baptism on Easter. We'd love to have you. And now we start to come to what is our calling in light of the call. And that's where things start to get different. Maybe you're, you're kind of cloudy. You don't know exactly, I don't know what my calling is. And it's, it's a difficult thing. You know that the way I, one of the ways I'd say to do it is look in your heart and, and check the heart, what resonates in your heart and resonates with the call of Scripture for every Christian. Maybe it's as simple as serving uh, in, in a certain way. Maybe your call right now is the raising and rearing of your children in the path of Christ. Maybe your call is to be a light for Christ in your work environment. Maybe your call is something that is uh, just starting to rebubble up. Maybe you remember a call, an old call. Some of you might be sitting here going like, oh, yeah, I, I was called. Now there's some things that got in the complication. Maybe God's wanting to reinstall a call. Maybe you were like in free fall and he's calling you back. But recognize that the call of God is continually being sharpened. God still hearkens. Don't let your hearts harden or your eyes darken. It might be hard to see where you're sitting right now. You thought you had a call and it kind of went weird and you've gone down these different paths and came back around. And you're kind of thinking like, ah, oh, like I really, I thought I had a call and now I don't know what it looks like. It doesn't seem to shape up to anything very much in your life right now. You're wondering, what, what was all that about? I just want to remind you that God sees things from a different angle. 
He sees them from the top. And what he sees in your life and, and what's been shaping your life can be much more beautiful than you can see right now when you're in the midst of the call. It's kind of like uh, something I saw on the internet recently. This guy named Stephen Lund, a fellow Canadian, was taking his bike and he started making art using GPS. So let me just show you really quickly. That is a stegosaurus, a dinosaur of a bike ride. That's his, his path that he's taking. There's a self-portrait. Just by driving his bike, he's mapping it, and now he's created pictures. Isn't that amazing? From, from when he's driving down the pass, I'm sure it didn't seem like anything to him. He's going one way, like, uh, he couldn't see it, like, visually in front of him. He knew because he kind of mapped it out. God is that planner. He's playing that great, beautiful picture from up top. You don't see why you're going down that dead end and have to turn it back around, why you went off that round route. And what's interesting, I would say it always turns back to Christ. The picture he's drawing in your life is always going to point you back to Jesus as a follower. That's part of your call. Because we're not just called, you know, um, to, to hear the story. We're actually called to participate in the story. It's a really interesting passage when we, when we think about the Lord's Supper how 2,000 years before Jesus, there's an amazing story that happens in chapter 14 where Abraham went, goes and he fights those wars to, to rescue his nephew Lot. And what happens at the end of it is the king of Sodom tries to give him some, some spoils and some riches. And he says, no, I don't want anything. This is all from God. But then another king comes up, the king of Salam, which scholars believe is Jerusalem. And this king's name is Melchizedek. And he comes and he brings bread and he brings wine. And he blesses Abraham. Abraham gives him a tenth of all he has. And you skip ahead 2,000 years, and we see in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 that Melchizedek is called like a foreshadowing of Christ, that Abraham was blessing the one who was greater, and how Christ in his life, by giving his bread and his blood, has now made all of the ritual sacrifices and everything obsolete. All we need is to believe and trust and participate in the story of Jesus Christ living in our lives, and we will be freed from our sin. It's a beautiful thing that 2,000 years after that, we are here living in the power of that story. So before you come today um, and participate, if you are a follower of Jesus, uh, we're going to ask you to do something, if you, if you can take a moment, or at least pray and take a moment. There's some, some little blue cards around you in the chairs beside you. If you could, take a, take a pen or pencil. We're going to ask you just to write something down. The first question we're going to ask you to, to tell your story, we're calling them two-line stories. The first thing we want to do is if you could just write down, this is the, the first line. I am called by God for the purpose of and maybe your calling is to discover your calling. Maybe you don't know, you're like, I'm called to find out my call today. I'm called to help uh, teach the word. I'm called to just live Christ-like life in front of my friends. The purpose that I'm called for, it could be as vague as what every Christian follower has, is I'm called to follow Jesus. We all have a calling. And then I want to ask you to write down some of the complications in following my calling are... These are some of the roadblocks that have come up. Distractions, hurts, pains, disappointments. We're going to name them. And as you come to the table, just ask maybe lay it down, maybe face down. We're going to end up collecting some of these and, and perhaps have them uh, use at Easter. So uh, maybe, you know, right, just be aware of that. 
But as we do this, we're going to ask that you, you lay that down and recognize that in Christ, you are now participating in the body of Christ. You are part of his story. You're brought up in the story and living that story out. From the day he was betrayed, our Lord took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. It's broken for you. And he took the cup. He said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sin. As often as you eat of this bread and you drink from this cup, you declare the story of God, the redemption of all sin in the blood and body of Jesus Christ. And you declare as you take the body of Christ that you are part of the body of Christ and you are called to live out the story. Let's pray.